there, okay? <laughs> it's been quite a week, okay? It's been um, incredible just looking at the, the prayer that's been happening in Parliament. I don't know if you've been seeing some of the stuff that's going on with our leaders and what God is doing in our nation, and we praise God for our new president and trusting in Him for a new dispensation of, uh, of, of, of Him, you know, taking charge in our nation. And so, yeah, just what, a, what, a, what an awesome amazing week. We also had, you know, we opened our prayer room last week, Sunday. If you haven't yet signed up, please, you can take your ID document to the back of the church, make a copy, fill out a sheet over there, and then we'll go get your fingerprint scanned, and you can then access the, the prayer room. But uh, we, we had a, a really cool meeting this week with a group of intercessors in the city. I had... Um, uh, Natium Boyazi up here, who's the, the leader of 24-7 prayer in South Africa, and he came to see our prayer room, and we met with this group of intercessors, and we were, we were telling them about the book Red Moon Rising, and, um, and how God is, which really captures the, the heart of the 24-7 prayer movement, and how it's spread all over the world. And um, we, so we're busy talking about this book Red Moon Rising, and then we take him up to the prayer room, and and we spent some time in the prayer room, which was just incredible. And, uh, and as I walked out the prayer room, right in front of me over the parking lot was this massive red moon <laughs> rising, <laughs> like right in front of us, where Nati was there. He was taking pictures. He was like, no way. This is incredible. And then you know how these things happen. You just kind of go, ah, you know, coincidence. And, and then I went to Sisterhood on Wednesday night, ladies. That was pretty amazing. And my first sisterhood. <laughs> and uh, Jackie McGavin was just preaching about how God talks to us through creation. And uh, I felt so convicted. I felt like, you know what, Lord, that was you. You know, that really was you speaking. And then yesterday we had burn 24-7 here. A number, I think about, about eight or ten churches coming here. And we had an eight-hour prayer meeting yesterday. And um, it was pretty hot um, at some points. It got pretty amazing. And uh, w there was a point in the park where I, I walked out probably around 6 p.m., somewhere around there. I walked out into the parking lot with Trish. And, um, and I don't know how you're going to process this because I'm still trying to, like, process this. But I, I turned at the end of the parking lot and I looked back over the building. And as I looked, I saw a shooting star. But, like, I've never seen a shooting star like this in my life. It was literally right above our auditorium. And it went from one end of the sky all the way to the other with fire trailing behind it. I thought it was, like, going to land and hit earth or something. But it was, like, right here. It was probably, like, seven seconds. You know when you see a shooting star, you feel like it's, it's there and then it's gone. But it just stayed there and stayed there. And then I even had time to say, Trish, turn around and look. And she turned around and she freaked out. And, uh, and it carried on going down. And as, as, it, as I saw it, I mean, it was, it was like a comet. You know, it was, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if anybody else saw it. Um, but, but when I heard the scripture that dropped into my heart was the one where Jesus said, and I saw Satan falling like a bolt of lightning from heaven. Just dropped into my heart. And I just thought, Wow. God, what is going on here? I'm seeing red moons over the city. I'm seeing comets landing. You know, when we give ourselves to prayer and we give ourselves to seeking the Lord, it is incredible what just things that just start to happen around us. And, 
And uh, so I, I'm just so expectant, and I'm just looking at what's happening in Parliament, and I'm just like, God, you're here, and you're moving amongst us. And this is exciting times to be alive. And um, yeah, so, so this morning, I, I want to just start by reading a, 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 a quote from Pete Gregg. Um, but let's just pray for a moment. Dad, oh, we love you, Dad. We love your presence. We just want to be close to you today. Would you come and breathe into the word this morning? Would you come and breathe into every life here? Dad, would you t- enable me this morning to, to bring your word as, as you would want it to come this morning? May it flow from my lips, Lord God, by your power. And may signs and wonders follow it this morning, Lord God. May there be healings and deliverance in this house this morning. Lord, may there be life that would flow this morning. As it already has through worship, Lord, we thank you for more. Our expectation is for more this morning. Move in our midst, I pray, Holy Spirit. Move in our midst. You're the leader in the room this morning, and we honor you. We honor your presence, Lord God. Amen. Well, can we read this quote from Pete Gregg? It's, um, let's read it together. Uh, it should uh, come up on AV. Look, it's so good to have you back. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> um, there we go. Can we read together? Let's go. The real purpose of a 24-7 prayer room is to multiply itself into the lives of those who use it. Sending them out from the presence of God as walking, talking prayer rooms, carriers of His presence, living temples of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? This quote actually is, is above the door as you, as you exit the prayer room. You'll, you'll see it there. Um, you know, this is just another way of saying that the prayer room is actually meant to be a catalyst for us to live as carriers of God's presence. You know, there's something about visiting a place that is sacred and set apart to God that causes us to become sacred and set apart unto God. You know, just like you, you maybe have friends that you, a friend that you visit. How many of you have got a friend that you go to and you just always feel encouraged after being with them? There's just, they, they've got joy, they've got a sense of life about them or something. And you, you know that when you, after you've been with them, you just feel good, you know? You, you're changed by their presence. And, um, and just like people change, cause us to change and lift our spirits, not only do people, but it's also places there's places that change us and refresh us and, and fill us. And really, that's what the prayer room is. It's, meant, it's a place that helps us to become what God actually wants us to be. It's a place that's meant to be a catalyst for enabling us to actually be carriers of the presence of God. You know, when we look at the Word of God, what, one thing that really stands out to us is that every time pe- people build things for God, people build things, you know, the temple, the tabernacle, the, you know, they're always building things for God. But, but God is like, you know, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where, 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 you know, all of this belongs to me. Where, where's the place that you're really going to make for me? And when we really look at Scripture and we see something in Scripture, we see God's heart is actually to dwell in mankind. Like He's not really interested in a building or a place or anything. He's actually interested in you. So why don't you nudge somebody this morning and say, God's actually interested in dwelling in you. 
he, his intention, whenever you look in, in Jeremiah 31, he says, I will be your God and I will be in you and you will be my people and I will dwell amongst you. His desire is us at the end of the day, not just a building. Um, not just a, a place or something like that. He actually wants to be in us. And, you know, sometimes there's this thing about us that just wants Him to be in a building and not in us. And there's, you know, we become these visitors to God's presence when we're actually tourists to it, when we're meant to be carriers of His presence. Well, you know, we're looking at places to go and connect with God, and God is looking at us as the place. His target is us. Um, and, you know, there's a big difference between being a, a, a carrier or owner of the presence of God and being a tourist in the presence of God. You know, a lot of us, we, we kind of, we, we, when we think about the presence of God, we think about a moment in worship. Oh, the, when I went to that concert at Sisterhood and there was worship and it was, you know, I went this place and there was worship and I felt His presence and it was amazing. And then we take our photograph and we leave there and we look back at that photograph saying, oh, that was so good. And in our, in our minds, we actually have a tourist mentality when it comes to the presence of God. When we should have a carrier mentality, an owner mentality, that we, where we go, He goes. That's actually the, the life that He's called us to live. That we'd be owners and, and not just visitors. You know, a visitor comes and goes. Uh, a visitor doesn't, doesn't invest. They come, they enjoy, they like, and then they leave. And I want you to know that that is not the relationship that God wants with you. He doesn't want you to ever leave His presence. You know, that's why he said in the Bible that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If indeed his spirit dwells in you, you, he wants to live in us. He never wants to leave us. He never wants to be away from us. He always wants to be with us. What a, what a crazy, amazing love that is. I don't know if you know the married people, if you remember the days when you were courting. And you just never wanted to leave <laughs> each other's presence. I remember Trish and I, you know those days, man. TK's rolling her eyes now. <laughs> you know those days when, when it was like time for goodbye, good night, see you tomorrow, and it's like, oh, you don't want to leave. There's this, there's this newfound love, and, and, and the Bible exhorts us never to lose that love with God. You know, he had this thing about the, the church in Ephesus in, in the book of the Revelation about how they had all their facts and they were doing so many good things. But he says, but you've lost your first love. That, 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 that tangible, that thing inside of you that says, God, I just, I can't do today without you. I don't, I don't want to just go to a church service. I want to have a church service all day. You know, I don't want to wait till Sunday. I don't want to wait till prayer. I want you now, Dad. I want you in my office. I want you in my car. I want you in my house. I want you in my bedroom. I want you with me now, Dad. Like that first love of never letting go, you know, that we um, and I want to say, you know, like that's, that's how we've got to start thinking. We've got to go through a mind shift on this thing. That we are carriers of the presence of God. Carriers of it. I mean, how incredible is that? In John 14, Jesus said this. He said, The Spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, because He will dwell with you and He will be in you. He will dwell with you and He will be in you. We are that temple, that resting place that God is looking for. We are that connection point, that receiving point. 
for the Lord. I've entitled this message this morning as Practicing His Presence. Um, that's what I want to just talk about, practicing His presence. Because it's really, it's our calling to carry His presence. But the thing about it is, you know, it takes some practice. <laughs> Why don't you look at somebody and say, it takes some practice. It really takes practice. You know, the, the Bible says that we are called to, to walk in the Spirit. How many of you know that when, when, a, when you were born, you didn't, you didn't come out walking? <laughs> there was some crawling first, <laughs> and just lying at first, and then there was some crawling, and then there was some walking, and, and even when you were walking, there was, there was like you would fall, you know, you would bump, you would have to hold on to things, you would, there was this process of growing into your legs, oh, like what are these things, you know, and, and learning how to move them, everyone in the parents' room is laughing right now, you know, they, that, that's, that's it, you like, that moment of like finding stability, and it's, and it's the same when it says walk in the Spirit and be a, being a carrier of God's presence. It's something that you have to learn how to walk in. It's not something that just comes so automatically to us. It's, it's something that we, we, we have to learn how to crawl a little bit first. We have to learn how to hold on a few things. Hold on to a church service. Hold on to a prayer meeting. Hold on to a connect group moment. Hold on to some scripture. You know, we have to learn how to hold on things and, and, and learn how to cultivate His presence. Learn how to steward His presence so that we can walk in His presence, so that we can really grow into carriers of His presence. And, and I want to say to us this morning, church, this is not for the super spiritual this morning. You know, sometimes we think that. You know, we think like, oh, you know, like the prophet, he, they, they carry the presence, you know. It's like, it's like and, and then we see the man of God, and you know, because he's got this sharp, pointy shoes, and this, you know, it's like, the, the, you know, they're carrying the presence, and we are spectators of the presence, and, and somebody carrying the presence, and those people, they spend hours in prayer every day. I can't do that. I've, just, I've got to go to work. I've got child, you know, I've got kids. I've got to drive. I've got school things. You know, it's, for, for, it's not for other people. It's for you even in your busy life. God didn't say, I'm going to dwell in those who can pray six hours a day. He said, I won't dwell in them, those who believe. I'll be in them. I'll be in all of them. His, his desire is never just to have a, a, a chosen few who, who, who really get this thing right. He, he really desires all of us to get this thing right. So I want to encourage you this morning. You may feel like you're crawling. You may feel like you're just rolling. You just may feel like you've just found your legs, you know. I want to encourage you this morning. You you can learn to walk in the presence of God. You can learn to be a carrier of His presence. Um, in Exodus 33, Moses said the following. He said, Lord, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us, me and your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? This was in response to God just saying, you know what, I'm done with you people. Um, you can go, I'm going to send you an angel, but I'm not going with you. And the cry in Moses' heart was, just I, what I pick up here is just the incredible value he had for the presence of God. 
the incredible value. It's like he was like, the cry in his heart was, Father, don't leave. I, I don't want to go. God's like, you can go into the promised land. You can go into all the blessings. You'll have the land, milk and honey, the houses, blessing. It's all yours, but I ain't going. And I fear that, you know, that we would be a church that would want the blessing and all the things, but not the, the one who gives it, you know? That our first love would always be on, on Him and wanting Him and His presence in our lives. Um, Moses saw it as the distinguishing factor. Like, in, if that's not there, then, then I'm like everybody else. Then I can have, you know, all the blessing. I can have everything. But if that is not there, then, then it's like there's nothing, there, there's nothing that would distinguish me from others. Um, it was the one thing that David cried out to God for after he had sinned. He said, take not your your presence, your spirit from me. You know, he stood to lose everything. He could have said, don't take my job from me. I love my job. Don't take my kingship. Don't take my kingdom from me. Don't take this from me. All of those things were at stake. All of those things were, but there was one cry from his heart. It was like, take not your, your presence from me, Lord. Um, I want you to know this morning that the distinguishing factor about you as a Christian, the greatest treasure you have is not what you know in your head or what you can do with your hands, but who you carry in your heart. It is of ultimate, ultimate value. I want to give you some nuggets on how you can steward the presence of God better in your life. Can you join me in 2 Kings chapter 4? 2 Kings chapter 4. It reads as follows. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do, a well-to-do, hmm, she was well-to-do, a well-to-do woman was there. She urged him to stay for, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I've never, I just, that's the first time I've seen that. What is this? NIV version. New international English version. <laughs> well-to-do well woman was there. And um, <laughs> she urged him to stay for a meal. So when, whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And then she said to her husband, I know that this man who come, often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to visit. And one day, Elisha came and he went up to his room, and he lay down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. And Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. What could be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, to, said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And he said the following, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will have a son in your arms. Well, 
Well, there's something on that this morning. I feel like God's just given some of you a promise. So if that is you, just take it by faith. Um, Whoa. (laughs) About this time next year, you will have, (laughs) you will have a son in your arms. Sure, I don't know what that is, but there's something on that for somebody here. (laughs) Um, Just receive it. Lord, we thank you for that. You are the God of promise. And you release blessing, Father, over your people. Lord, I just release that blessing over your people this morning. Those who are waiting, those who are trusting, that they will have what they've been waiting for, Lord. And she cried, no, my Lord, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Isn't that beautiful? So there's something here I want you to see in this passage, just something incredible um, about this woman. So this, here's Elisha passing through her town all the time. And, uh, you know, this is Old Testament. So this is like you've got you to kind of get into Old Testament mentality that, you know, the prophets were the anointed of God. They were the carriers of the presence of God. You know, we're New Testament now. So she, it's almost like she's watching the presence of God passing through her town. And she's like, you know what? Come have a meal here. I'm going to make food. I'm going to make a place for the presence of God to come and rest. And, it's not, and, then, and then after a while, it's not enough that it's just a meal. She has to go and renovate her house. I mean, she had to go and build a room on the roof you know, buy furniture, put furniture in that place, like make it a permanent place that he wouldn't just stop for a meal, but he would stop and stay and rest in that place. And, and, and at the end of the, and she never had any intention of getting anything from this transaction. There's just a heart in her for the presence of God. There's just something about her that says, I just don't want to go in life without this. You know, there's this, this heart, incredible heart. And by valuing him, she was actually showing her value for the presence of the Lord. You know, and, and, the, and, and this is, this is kind of the value we place on the house of God. The value that we place on, on, the, on the word of God, on the people of God, is, is really our, showing our value for God. <laughs> and it's what she was showing in that moment. And, uh, and so she goes and she renovates and she creates space in her home for the man of God to rest in. And um, I just thought about that, you know, if, if we want to be carriers of the presence of God, one thing we need to do is we need to renovate our lives. <laughs> we need to renovate. What, what do I mean when I say renovate? I mean, you, when you're renovating, you, you're breaking down some things and taking some stuff out, and you're building and you're adding some things. And, you know, that might look like in your life you might need to, to get rid of things that are, that, are, that are in the way of God, that are distractions. I don't know. Maybe it's that, that Netflix series that you're binging on, you know, every evening. Or, uh, or maybe it's a sport. Or maybe it's a something. I don't know what it is. But sometimes we have to get rid of some things. Maybe it's a sinful habit, you know. You know, 
you know and I know this morning that when, when, when we bound in sin and when we in habitual sin, we know that we're at conflict with the presence of God. We know that we're not, that we're, that we're not having the fullness of what we could have because we've got this thing in our lives. And so what is required is for us to declare war on that thing. <laughs> What's required is for us to, to renovate, to pull out the hammer and break that thing down. You know, do whatever we can. You know, um, I had a, a privilege this week of, of meeting a young man who just arrived in the parking lot to the church and met me and then proceeded to confess all his son to me. <laughs> he was like, he, it was so powerful. It was so incredible. But he came to me and he just said, you know what? I do not want to do this anymore. I am not this thing anymore. And I just looked at this young man and I was just like, dude, you got it, man. Like, you know what? And, and he was like, this was a big moment for him. Like, just like I'd have never met him before, you know, <laughs> just confessing. His, but I thought, wow, what a, what a renovation. You know, that's really, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you may receive healing. And so when we do that, what we're doing is we're making space. We're getting rid of things that are anti-God in our lives, that are frustrating the presence of God, and we're making God, room for God to move in our lives. Some of us might need to renovate our, our mouths. <laughs> God is challenging me lately about this, this thing, my, my tongue. And how often I'm saying stuff that's just not honoring or it's not pleasing to God or it's not, it's not faith. Actually, it's, it's doubt or it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually depression or it's, I don't know what it is. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what's coming out of your lips this morning. But, but I know sometimes after speaking certain things that are not God, I feel like I've lost a little bit of the presence of God. I feel like I'm not as full as what I was. Do so you know that, that we, the way we live, we've got to learn how to live sensitive to the presence of God. That means watching our mouths, watching our thoughts, watching our lifestyle, watching our actions, making sure that it's a place that God would like to come and live. He would like to, he would come in and go, wow, look at this house. You know, this is, this is, this is where I want to dwell. And, uh, and, the degree, and that's why I said this is something we learn and we grow in. But I want to say this. You know, we, we do not try to obey God because it's the rules. <laughs> you know, Christianity is not a set of rules. We, we do not try to, like, get sin out of our lives because we have to obey. And, and you know, that's, that's the rules of Christianity and there's, there's commandments and everything. No. The, the, the real purpose is relationship. We, we get rid of those things. Why? Because we're making space for God to fill us more. That we would actually be able to carry His presence more than what we've carried it before. You know, there's something about after a time of, of worship I had with the Lord. And I felt His presence was just so over me. Uh, I took my car to the car wash I bumped into a student that was on campus like 10 years ago who met me at the car wash. And, and I just, I don't even know why I had to go to the car wash. 
But I was, felt like I was carrying the presence of God. And sometimes when you're carrying the presence of God, you end up going places. You don't even know why you're going. And I'm going to the car wash, and I bump into this guy, random, 10 years. He comes, and he's like conf- confessing his sins. <laughs> this happens quite a bit. It doesn't actually happen quite a bit, but I'm just, you know, two stories. But, um, and and he, he meets me in the car park, and he, and he starts confessing. He struggles to me, and, and we have this incredible moment, and I felt like, you know, this was so easy, and I felt like I was not doing this, but I was carrying something that was doing this. You know, the, the next thing, I, I met a stranger after that who gave me literally a thousand rand cash, literally just walked up to me right after that encounter, gave me a thousand rand cash. I want to just bless you. I'm like, who are you? And please come to my church. <laughs> but I'm like, what? And but but the presence of God on me. Listen, the presence of God on you attracts blessing. It attracts breakthrough. It attracts healing. You start to walk in signs, wonders, miracles. You flow with prophetic words. You end up in places you never thought you could end up because you're carrying His presence. Amen. Amen. Come on, Caleb. And I, I want you to get hungry for that. You can have that. And the whole time I'm just thinking, what's going on? But I know I can feel this. Like, it's like I've got a jacket on me. You know, it's like it's, it's like it's heavy on me. You know, there's this thing, and I'm like, and then, you know, it kind of dissipates. And like, and now when I'm even thinking about it, I'm just like, oh, I want that back. I want to live in that. And you can kind of understand maybe what David was talking about in the Psalms where he said, I long for your house, oh God. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. My soul thirsts for you, God, the living God. Where can I go to meet with you, the living God? David was a man passionate for the presence of God. I want you to know this is what we're actually supposed to be walking in. That when you walk into your office tomorrow morning and you're a carrier of the presence, just watch what happens. You know, Christianity is not so much do. It's just more about be. <laughs> just be and watch God work through you and just be obedient to what God is doing. That's the life He wants you to have and live and walk in and move in. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. God, you know, when, when she made that space for God, it's interesting. Like, he, he turns around there and says, what what?" What can, I, what can be done for her? You know, there's, there's something about creating space for God's presence in our life that automatically brings the blessing of God. That's why Jesus said, don't seek the blessings. Don't seek that. Seek the kingdom. What does it mean, seek the kingdom? Seek the kingdom means seek His presence. Seek, there's no kingdom without a king. <laughs> seek the kingdom means... Be with the king. Be where the king is. Be right with the king. Renovate your life. Make sure, seek the kingdom. Make sure you're in line, in sync with him. And then all these things, they, they, they get added unto you. They come into your life. Let's move on. Genesis 18. What's the first thing you need to do? Renovate. Okay, renovate. Look at somebody and say, renovate. renovate. What are you going to renovate? 
You know, sometimes you actually have to even change your circle of friends. That's got renovation right there. You know, if there's just, you've got to learn in your life what is there that's going to help facilitate the presence of God now. If it's not, oh, this is for someone this morning. I don't know why. Stuff's coming into my head randomly. <laughs> I remember going to a church service when I was in school. And uh, shock of shocks, I used to smoke marijuana when I was in school. Sorry, but that, w- that, is, <laughs> that is your pastor, okay? In fact, I even used to sell it. I know. It's shocking. <laughs> and I had this marijuana tree growing in my house, in, in my parents' garden. They didn't know, you know? And I... And I used to pick that stuff, and, um, and uh, I went to church, and I was just like when I was getting, just after I was getting saved and stuff, and I went to this church service, and somebody preached about being, you know, about being a magnet for God, about being, and I was so convicted. I came out after that church service, I walked into the garden, and I ripped that thing out by the roots, and I threw it down on the ground, and that was it. It was done. It was over. That's a renovation. That's getting rid of whatever is in the way so you can make space for the king. Amen? So next up, Genesis 18. Are you with me? We're skipping to Abraham. Abraham now in verse 1. The Lord appears to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. And while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Can you say the heat of the day? Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them... He hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. <laughs> Are you seeing the same heart? The Shunammite woman and Abraham making space for God. But look at Abraham's heart here. He said, do not pass your servant by. You know, there are, there are moments when God is going to move in our lives. And he's passing through in a, on his way somewhere. And it's going to need us to get in line, get on board, and make sure that we don't miss the moment, that we actually seize the moment with God. You know, if we're going to learn to be carriers of His presence, we've got to learn how to seize the moment. There are moments when God is going to work, when He's going to do things. There's moments when God's going to want to go somewhere, and He's going to need you to respond and move with Him. Look at this, what's interesting. It says it was the heat of the day. Now, I, I've worked in Israel. I worked as a, a farm laborer in learning things about me this morning. <laughs> I, I worked as a farm laborer in Israel, planting date trees in the desert. And in Israel, it is so hot that you, um, you start work at 4 a.m. and you finish work at 11 a.m., 11 a.m., around there. So you, that, that is the only work hours that you have because from 11 a.m. onwards, it is so hot, you can do nothing. So it was pretty cool working in a kibbutz because you'd work from 4 to 11 and then you'd go sit in the swimming pool all day. <laughs> and, uh, and, but the point is this, is that in the heat of the day, 
all right, that day, I know that heat, all right, it is literally, it is cooking, it's like 40-something degrees, there is nothing you can do but sit down and just be still and breathe, some of you people from Limpopo, you know what I'm talking about, you just, you don't want to move too much, just breathe, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so this this is interesting that God shows up at this moment in the heat of the day, which says to me, God doesn't always show up at the most convenient times. He doesn't always show up at times that are in our agenda or in our schedule. Lord, this is my sleep time. Really? Seize the moment. 1 a.m., 2 a.m. You know, it's maybe like in the middle of a crowd. Seize the moment. It may be, you know, when you're at work, seize the moment. God is going to move. We have to learn that we are not carriers of cargo. We are carriers of the living God. (laughs) So cargo, you know, you put it on the ship and it stays where you put it. And it doesn't move and it does until you take it off, okay? God is not cargo. He is the living God. God. We, we carriers of the living God. So when the living God moves, when he's going to go somewhere, when he's going to do something, we have to seize the moment and make sure we move with him. Otherwise, he moves on. And we miss out on whatever he wanted to do, whatever he wanted to say, whatever he was going to. And let me tell you something, that's the most exciting place to be is where God is doing something. I don't want to miss out on the Lord and what he's doing. I don't want to like go on with my life and, oh, Lord, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just busy. I just got to finish this email, and then I'll make that call. Or then I'll go and speak to so-and-so. Or then I'll go and, you know, we, we've, we've got to learn to be obedient to when the Spirit sees the moment and go with Him. And when we do that, His presence is multiplied in our lives. Very interesting that this is almost like a mirror story to what we just read in 2 Kings. Mirror story. Because right after Abraham makes, seizes the moment, sees God passing by, and he says, no, 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 stay, stay. You know, God, I want to I be with you. What does God do? He says, I'm going to bless you with a child. All right? So he promises a child there. And then he says this, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He was on his way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Abraham was then able to intercede for Lot. And then after that, we see Lot getting saved from Sodom and Gomorrah with his daughters. So I just want to say this, you know, that like if we don't learn to seize the moment and go with the Lord, we miss out on the blessing of God and on revelation of what God is doing now in our time and in our generation. I don't want to be the guy, well, I do, I do, I want to be the guy that God says, shall I hide from Wayne what I'm about to do in Durban? Shall I hide? No. No. Yeah. And look at God, he can't help himself. He can't help himself. When we have this heart of like being, wanting him in our lives, he cannot help but bless our lives. He cannot help but come in and go, what do you need? What what can I do here? What, you know, he's hot, he's not a taker. Our God is a giver, and when He comes, you know, when we have that heart to receive Him, He has a heart to bless us. Um, But it's Him first, amen? All right, let's move on. The next point I have for you, so the first one is renovate. The second one is seize the moment. I'm giving you some nuggets. 
this morning, to stewarding the presence of God. The third one is, is make the faith connection. Make the faith connection. Look at somebody this morning and say, make the faith connection. There's a book called Practicing the Presence of God, and it's written by a monk who lived about 400 years ago called Brother Lawrence. And it is, it's an amazing book about this monk who dared to believe that God was not just for uh, church services and prayer meetings, but that he could actually be a carrier of the presence of God. And so monks were pretty busy in those days. They were, he, he was repairing shoes. He was a cook in the kitchen. So he had a busy schedule in his daily life. But he set his mind and heart to practice the presence of God and bring God into his busy life. Bring God into his life. Make sure that even while he was there at work, God would be there with him. And he wrote this book called Practicing the Presence of God. I reckon it's a free book. You can go on the internet and download it. It's a really good book about how he went through this process of learning to master the art of carrying the presence of God. But I'll summarize it for you this morning, okay? And say, how did he manage to do that? How did he manage to learn how to communicate with God every day in everything? Quite simply, by faith. Let me explain for you this morning. Consider these scriptures. When we look at scripture, it's a fact that his presence is with us. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says the following, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you say fact? After I say each of these, I want you to say fact. And the Lord it is who goes before you He will be with you. He will not fail you, neither forsake you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31. Isaiah 41 says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Matthew 1 says, He is Emmanuel, God with us. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28. That's a fact, right? So in Scripture, what do we see? We see the fact that God is, He's with us, all right? Like God doesn't lie, amen? So whatever you feel and whatever you're going through in your life doesn't mean that this is not true, okay? The Word of God is always true. We're the ones who change, okay, all the time. So, so God's Word is fact and it's true, but not only in not only is this amazing, that the fact that he is with us, if you look uh, in the New Testament, what you find is that he's not only with us, but he is in us. Look at these scriptures. John 14, even the spirit of truth, he will dwell with you and shall be in you. Galatians 2, but Christ lives in me. Can you say that? But Christ lives in me. Colossians 1, 27, will you read it? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where is Christ? Okay. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Who is in you? The Holy Spirit is in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you and Christ be in you. Romans 8, 9. I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. John 14. This, my friends, this morning, Basil Wana, 
Gifuno This is the truth that he dwells in us. That he's not only with us, but that he is in us. That Christ is in us. And, 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 and it's not enough that we just know this, all right? We have to believe this and live this. It's one thing to know doctrine, but it's quite another thing to enjoy the doctrine you know. Being a carrier means having a heart full of faith, not a head full of facts. The facts are needed and necessary, but they are, not, are to no avail apart from faith. So faith is what goes to the Word of God and makes it real in our lives. You know, so often believers, we are not connected with the Christ that's already in us. And many believers live as if there were no such thing as an indwelling Christ. The proper faith connection has not been made. In Ephesians 3, 17, it says the following. It says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by, by faith. I want to illustrate this for you this morning. Take a look at this, this microphone here. Okay? Here's a microphone. If I was to open this up, and take the battery out. How many of you know this thing is not going to work, right? Okay. And, uh, and this is pretty much what we like when we're, when we're not saved, when we don't have Christ in us. We, we, we're purposeless, all right? We're without God. We're without hope. We're, we're without, we can't find our destiny. We can't find our purpose. But praise God, when we get filled with the presence of God and Christ comes and he lives in us, we come alive to God. You know, there, there's a power at work in us. But how many of you know that I still, this, this mic is still not working. It's got something inside it. <laughs> there's a power in it. <laughs> but it's not working. Until I flip the switch. All right? And then suddenly the mic, boom, is, it's working. Sorry, sound guys. Yeah. What is the switch? The switch is faith. It's faith. You know, as believers, we have so much. We have it all living inside of us. Christ lives in us. The presence of God lives in us. What's lacking in us is faith. You know, just like every promise in Scripture, it's there in the Bible dormant until there's a people who rise up and say, I believe that thing. I'm going to own that thing. I'm going to live that thing. I'm going to walk in that thing. You know, when, you, when we read the, the scriptures about blessing and God's blessing on our homes, it requires us to pull them out, to confess them, to, to speak them over our lives, to get them from our heads as just like scriptures that we know and put them in our hearts so that we live and walk with them. There is a huge difference between knowing something in your head and owning it in your heart. The difference is revelation. You know, so many Christians today, they know the scriptures. Christ is in me. Christ is for me. They know the scriptures, but it's not actually a revelation in their hearts. And so there's a process that we have to go through where we make the faith connection, where we start to take the word of God and we start to put it into our hearts, hide it into our hearts, meditate on the word, chew on that word. So then it becomes real. The word begins to open to us. 
kind of like, you know, when you eat an apple, you, you break it down, you crunch it, you, you digest it, you put it in, you suck all the nutrients out. Well, you don't, your stomach does, you know, sucks all the nutrients out of it. But that's what it means to eat the Word of God. You put it in. You break it down. You chew on it. You stick it into your heart. You pull the nutrients out of it. You, you put faith to it. And then you start to see it work in your life. Then you start to see it happening in your life. So this is the thing about practicing the presence of God. Is that there, God's presence is in us. He dwells in us. But we just haven't made that faith connection. We just haven't started to meditate on that word. How do, we, how do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you hear the word, as you speak the word over your life, that you are a carrier of his presence. That he is with you. No matter what you're feeling. No matter what you're going through. No matter how dark the day is. Father, I thank you that you reside in my heart. That I am the temple in which you dwell. That you are not distant and far. But you're within, Father God. That we, when we start to chew on that and, and work on that. That we start to experience that in our lives. And everything starts to change as well. You know, visitors to the presence of God, like just like you have like tenants, you know, who, who live in a property, they don't invest in the property, they just use it and then they, they're gone, you know. But owners invest. They, they, they spend their time, they spend their money, they cultivate, they clean, they nurture, they look after. And, and we've got to realize that we are not tenants of the presence of God not visitors of the presence of God, but we're owners. We're owners of the presence of God. So we need to invest, cultivate, tend, nurture, look after His presence so that we can experience it more. Amen? Amen. All right, can we stand to our, to our feet this morning? This might just, I don't know, this might just seem... Can you just turn to somebody and tell them the three things this morning? Renovate. Make the faith connection. Just tell it to them so they know it. Um, I, I, we, we're going to make a shift to being tourists of the presence of God to being carriers of the Can you say this this morning? Can you repeat after me? I'm making a shift. I'm, shift. I'm, not, a I'm not a tourist. I'm a carrier of the presence of God. Amen. Amen. This is completely, maybe, maybe completely unrelated, I don't know, to the word, but I feel like this is on my heart. We were praying for you all this week um, in our staff meeting. And while we were praying, something was impressed on my heart to pray for this morning, and I want to pray for it again. We prayed then, but I want to pray again. I, I, I was, a couple of years ago, I was renting a flat. Okay, now I understand, Lord. All right. So I was renting a flat, <laughs> and, uh, and the owner of the flat came to me, and he said, if you don't buy this flat, I'm putting it on the market. And I was like, oh, I really like this flat, and I've got nowhere else to move. But there was absolutely no way I could buy the flat. I wasn't earning enough money. I didn't have the money for a deposit. I mean, it was literally like, it was a, it was a bridge too far. So I just kept avoiding the owner. <laughs> um, 
one night I was in my flat and I was enjoying the presence of God, just alone. And there was a knock at my door. There was the owner. And he had a sale agreement in his hand. I hadn't even told him that I wanted to buy this flat. And he came inside and he said, I'm going to sell this. Here's the sale agreement. Are you going to take it? I need to sell it. The presence of God was so amazing on me in that moment. I knew the right thing to do was pick up a pen and sign that sale agreement. With money that I didn't have, with, you know, with, with you know it was like, it was, it was crazy. You know, it was crazy to sign that agreement. I signed that agreement. God supernaturally provided within the next couple of weeks. And I moved from being a renter to being an owner. That property increased 400% in value in the next year and a half, two years. I was able to sell that property and then buy a house. Um, I was able to use the, the bond as capital for buying cars, for various things from that house. That house increased in value. I was then able to buy another house, uh, the house that I have today. I paid half the price for the house that I have today for what it's worth today. That was just seven years ago. Uh, it's doubled in value, like from what I paid to what it is. You know? and I've done some renovations, but, you know. And, and, and I, when I was praying that, this, uh, um, <laughs> I felt like um, God wants to move some of you supernaturally from being renters to being owners. I really believe that. I want you to know that it, it was the presence of God, it was the power of God, it was, it was all God <laughs> in that thing. I would not be where I am economically. You know, sometimes we're looking to man to give us something. When God can come in and supernaturally make us an owner. You know, sometimes, you know, the, we, we, we're going through this whole land debate and this land and whose land, and, and, it's, and it's all good and it must happen, all right? But I want you to know that God can give you land. God, I'm standing here as a testimony, God can give you a house. He can make you, He can increase you in wealth. He can. He can take you from being just renting to, to actually owning something and increasing in wealth. He can do that supernaturally. So I want to ask this morning, are there, are there any renters here who want to become owners? If you could raise your hands. And I want to release a blessing over you this morning. I'm the, if you're going to put your hand up, you're going to be serious, okay? You're making a faith connection this morning, all right? That God's going to do this supernaturally. I don't want you to look at you. you might, a lot of you might think, oh, the bank account, how am I going to buy this lawyer's fees? I had none of that, okay? I had nothing, literally nothing, completely nothing. Is your hand up by faith? Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I believe it's your desire to bless your people. Lord, I believe it's your desire to increase your people, to grow them in wealth, Father God to fill them, Lord God, with their homes, with riches and good things, Father. Lord, I believe that you give us land, Father God. You give us homes. Lord, when the Israelites went into the promised land, Lord, they came to houses that they did not build. 
to lands that they did not cultivate, Father God. And Father God, I speak over this congregation this morning a blessing to transfer people from renting to owning in the name of Jesus. That we wouldn't rent any longer, but that we would own buildings, houses, lands, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I speak a transference in the atmosphere over this house this morning, Father God. That there will be a transference of wealth that would take place, Father God, that would be supernatural. It would be you and your favor and your blessing, and that you will take all the glory for it, Father God. If you've got your hand raised up, I want you to declare this this, this morning. I want you to say, and you, Lord, will take all the glory. Amen. When he gives you that house, when he gives you that house, I want you, I want you to make sure that you're hospitable with that thing. That it's a house where he wants to live. That strangers can come there, that people can come and stay there, that you can host and you can use it for God's glory and for his purpose. Amen. Amen. Come on. We're shifting from being visitors to being carriers, owners. Amen. God bless you, church. Join us for tea and coffee outside. We'll see you next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking about ambassadorial prayer. So don't miss it. All right. <laughs> ambassadorial prayer. <laughs>